Thank you for joining us for a message from the Christian Fellowship Church of Kandu, North Dakota. Please visit our website for more information about our church at kanducfc.com. All right. So today, like we've said already, we are beginning our series on prayer and fasting. We've been hinting about this series and talking about it for a little while, but finally here we are at the beginning. And, and personally, I've been really looking forward to this uh, series and exploring prayer and fasting together since last summer, because that's, that's when I first sensed God just putting some of these things on my heart and, and causing me to think and prepare for what a series like this uh, would look like. So a couple of things. First of all, if you've never fasted before, don't worry. This isn't going to be something where you're going to be caught off guard and, and lagging behind. And if you've never even heard of fasting, don't worry either. Our goal today is to understand fasting together. We're going to ask what is fasting as well as how does fasting work? And we're going to spend a little bit of a larger portion of time answering the question, what's the point of fasting? Because if we understand that, I think we're going to really get to appreciate what Jesus is offering us through it. So the point of today's message isn't just to be informational. Yes, we're going to learn some new ideas and practices perhaps, but more than anything, our goal today is to understand how fasting helps us enjoy a closer friendship with God. And friendship with God is everything to us as believers. Romans 5 verse 11b says, our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. So if you think about just that verse, it helps us to understand that the ministry of Jesus Christ wasn't to make us slaves of God or the underlings of God or, or pawns in God's kingdom. But Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He died for our sins and rose again so that we could have friendship with God. Think of all the trouble that Jesus went to so that friendship with God was available to us. Our friendship with God is, is legitimately the most precious thing that we have. And anything that we can do to deepen that friendship or strengthen it, to embrace it more, is definitely worthwhile. So throughout the series, I'm not going to speak to you as an expert in fasting. Yes, I've fasted before. I've enjoyed it. I've struggled in it. And I've definitely failed at it, if I'm honest. But all I know is that I want to open up my life more to my best friend, Jesus. And fasting allows that to happen. So we're going to explore those things together here. So let's, let's pray and then we'll dive in. Jesus, we thank you that you have come to this earth to establish friendship between us and the Father. We don't want to underestimate that. We don't want to take that for granted. But I think that in our busyness of life... Sometimes that happens. It's unintentional, but I think it happens. Jesus, over this month and starting today, we invite you to take back the strength of friendship that we're supposed to have with you. I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would convict us and inspire us about the things in our life that have maybe become a hurdle for friendship between you and us. Lord, we, we give you permission to, to challenge us on things. To speak to us about the choices that we've made or are making in life. We know that you're going to be gentle and you're humble. 
You're not demanding, but you love us and you speak to us with grace. Just help us to receive those things today, Jesus, and that we'd get off on the right foot here with this month of prayer and fasting. Amen. All right. So our first question this morning is, what is fasting? Fasting in its most literal sense is voluntarily abstaining, typically, from food. So although we see fasting in the Bible, there's definitely lots in there about that. Believe it or not, fasting isn't an exclusively Christian idea. Many other religions practice fasting, including Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Taoists, Mormons, and Jews. Now, when we hear a concept being practiced by all sorts of other religions or faith systems, some of us may wonder, whoa, whoa, whoa. If all these other religions are practicing fasting, why on earth would we as Christians do anything that might resemble what they're doing? Well, there's a big difference between fasting for those groups and fasting for us as Christians. Most of the time, non-Christians or people who are part of another religion, they fast in order to gain something. Other religions fast to gain acceptance or to gain approval from their God. But our God, the God of the Bible, he can't be convinced to love us any more than he already does. He already loves us completely, 100%. And Hubert highlighted this last week for us so well when he pointed out the folly of people who try to earn salvation through their deeds. So we can't earn salvation. And as a matter of fact, we can't earn anything from God. Everything that God gives us is a gift because he loves us and he's generous towards us. The result of his tremendous love for us is that he offers us salvation along with everything else that we could possibly need. So fasting is not a tool that we use to get something from God that we couldn't otherwise have. Rather, the heart of fasting is voluntarily giving up something in our lives for a period of time that we usually indulge in, like food, for instance, in order to experience God's presence that he's already offering us more fully. We fast to focus more on who God is and what he's done. We give up something physical to experience a greater measure of our God who is spiritual. And who wouldn't want to more fully experience the presence of God who loves us perfectly and completely? So that, my friends, is fasting, giving up something in our lives so that we can experience more of God. And there's an example of this from Scripture. In Daniel 10, verse 1 to 7, it says this, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. On April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. 
So this is an example of fasting. Daniel fasted and prayed for three weeks. You can, if you read verse 12, you understand that there was prayer as a component of this fast as well. And God, who loves him just like he loves you and me, sent a heavenly messenger that was like nothing Daniel had ever experienced before. Fasting, choosing to give something up that we are used to indulging in so that we can experience God's presence is also a discipline. It's like anything that we have to work at. Just like we need to work at practicing reading the Bible or praying or work at being regular in our being together on Sundays to worship with God's people, we also need to practice fasting. I think that what we're going to learn here is that, or I think what we are learning here is that the essence of fasting is denying a physical hunger so that a better hunger A hunger for God can be discovered, but also fed. So although God doesn't command us to fast, he offers fasting to us as a way for us to draw closer to him. And I hope that you're beginning to see the significance of fasting already. We're going to go more in depth on this in a little bit, but for now, let's answer this question. Since fasting from food is the most common form of fasting, how does food fasting actually work? Like, what does it look like? What do you do when you're going to fast from food? Well, believe it or not, in the Bible, there's actually three different kinds of food fasts that are mentioned. We're just going to go through those so that we can kind of understand this a little bit better. The first one is called a, a, it's what we just call a normal fast. This is probably what most of us think of when, if we know anything about fasting, it's where a person gives up eating food for a time. So Jesus fasted like this in Luke 4 verse 2. It says, for 40 days, Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Probably the, the understatement of the century in the Bible there. A fast like this, not eating anything, should also, if we're, we're just trying to be wise about this, We probably shouldn't aim for more than 40 days, okay? Going beyond 40 days without any food can begin to lead us into medical issues. Also, it usually takes several shorter fasts first to build up to a a 40-day fast. So if you're you're thinking to yourself, awesome, I want to experience God's presence. I'm just going to stop eating forever. Pump the brakes. Let's just be wise, okay? We're going to do this thing the right way. I actually know several people who have fasted for, for 40 days. They had liquids only and not like, you know, taco soup that has meat in it and things like that. But like, I think they drank tea and they had broth without any vegetables or noodles in it and water. I think that's what they did typically. And they, they told me how amazing that was. It was a challenge for sure. But 40 days of fasting like that was truly one of the times where they felt like they were, had the, the deepest experience with God of their life. Now, I'm not one of the people who's fasted for 40 days, but man, I'd like to get to that point. I think it would be an exciting journey, challenging for sure, but amazing nonetheless. So that's what a normal fast is, just giving up food. And then there's also something called the absolute fast. In Acts 9 verse 9, we see an example of this. It's talking about the Apostle Paul when it says, For three days he was blind and he did not eat or drink anything. So here we see that an absolute fast is not eating or drinking anything at all. It's true that some people have done an absolute fast for longer than three days, but in those instances, they were supernaturally sustained by God. Otherwise, if you're planning an absolute fast, 
plan for no longer than three days. And I'd encourage you probably start a little shorter than that, just for starters. In Exodus 34, verse 28, it says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. In that time, he ate no bread and drank no water. Amazing, right? Like that people can actually do this. And we think, well, that's the Bible. That's a long time ago. I know of a guy in the early 90s. I I haven't met him personally, but I heard him speak and I've read the book about his life. He was in prison and he went beyond 40 days without any food or any water. People can't live that long without those things unless... God is with them. His presence is in their life and he is miraculously, supernaturally keeping them alive. So again, I'm not recommending anyone do this, but I think it's, uh, it's an amazing thing like to not to go beyond three days. That's what I mean. But I think, uh, uh, an absolute fast is certainly something that is worth considering. If you are saying, I want to cut out things that are physical and I want to hunger for the things that are spiritual. And finally, there's the partial fast. So this is a fast where a person simply restricts their diet. For example, a person may decide not to have any coffee for a period of time or dessert or meat or anything like that for a length of time while they're still eating some other foods. A fast like this is a great option for someone who, because of a medical condition perhaps, simply can't stop eating food altogether, but yet they want to seek the presence of the Lord. The passage that we read before from Daniel 10 is an example of a partial fast. In verse 2 and 3, it mentioned that Daniel had no rich food, no meat, no wine for three weeks. So this is also a great way to try fasting for the first time. If the idea of cutting out food entirely is is intimidating or daunting, that's not necessarily a reason to not try it. But if you want kind of a, a step towards that without going there all at once, try a partial fast. Try cutting out one certain kind of food or a group of foods for a period of time. Food fasting, I'm going to admit, is challenging, but it is highly rewarding. Here's a couple of extra tips for anyone who wants to try uh, fasting from food, maybe for the first time. My encouragement would be to start small, maybe even just with one meal. Try picking a a meal time this next week and just say, okay, for that meal time, I'm not going to eat anything. And instead I'm going to give myself a little extra time to read in my Bible, or maybe I'm going to spend a little extra time in prayer, praying for my church, praying for myself, my family. Maybe those are all things that you could do. And then from that one meal, you could progress a little further. Then go to like one 24 hour period after supper on a certain day, go 24 hours. And then you can break it, break that fast by eating supper again the next day. So that's roughly 24 hours. And then you can go longer after that. But yeah, start small. There's nothing wrong with that. Another thing I'd encourage you to try is fasting with other people. Uh, It's great if you have the, the willpower and the discipline to say, I'm doing this and I don't care who's coming with me, right? That's great. But it's also really good to walk these things out with other people because then you're sharing the experience. There's some accountability even. You won't maybe give up as easily because you know, oh, that's right, I got my three friends. They're doing this with me. So if I stop, I'm gonna let them down. Maybe that's a little bit of an extra motivation to just stay disciplined, right? And plus, if you're doing this whole fasting thing with another group of people, you're gonna be able to process this experience together and just understand by talking to them, hey, what are you going through? This is what I felt like. Man, this is weird, I'm enjoying this, but I didn't think it'd be like this. What about you? And you can actually enjoy it because you have other people to think about it as you go with them. And then the last tip here is also try fasting from food regularly. If you just try it once 
and you say, well, check that box and now I'm done, uh, I think maybe we can lose some of the significance of fasting. If it's on a regular basis or at regular intervals in our life, I think that's actually a really good thing. In fact, I know a guy who lives close to Kandu here and he fasts one day every single week. And it's just become a regular part of his rhythm of life because he loves Jesus and he wants his relationship with Jesus to be focused on the spiritual things that he can receive from him rather than just filling his life with physical things. So this is some information that I hope helps answer the question about how food fasting works. Those are just some of the nuts and bolts of this. But let me ask you guys a question here now. Are there other ways to fast besides abstaining from food. Have you ever thought about this? Because I think when we think about fasting, everyone goes to food pretty automatically. Back in early October, Karen and I felt that, that screens were becoming a little bit too much of a, of a default activity in our family. You know, when we had some downtime, we'd either be watching TV or looking at our phones or or using the laptop for something, or playing video games, etc. So shortly after I got home from work one Friday night, I told Karen and the kids, without any warning, that for that evening, no screens. You might be surprised to hear that not everyone was super enthusiastic at first. But we forged ahead anyway. We started that evening by eating supper together at the table. And immediately following supper, it didn't take long for us to notice the changes that taking away the option of screen time made. We cleaned up supper together. We played a couple of games together. I read a book or part of a book at home, which is extremely rare for me. I don't read for pleasure. We, we found ourselves cleaning and organizing parts of our house because we needed to do something. We were bored. So denying just one thing, media, it created this new dynamic in our home that was surprising and really enjoyable. So the point of this story is that we can fast from lots of things. Food is one of them. Media is another. There's other things that people can fast from as well. The reason I bring up media, though, is because as I've been thinking and praying about this series and and getting excited about what God may want to do, I've been sensing that... God is leading us, perhaps as a church, to do a a media fast together for two weeks. Think about day-to-day life in the world that we live in right now. What takes up most of our idle time? It's usually media of some sort. If we don't have something to do right in that moment, phone comes out, right? We're just bored. We're in an elevator for 10 seconds on the phone, right? Like that's just how it works. We look at TV, we look at Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, TikTok, movies, video games, YouTube, music, books, magazines, newspapers, anything and everything in this world that could steal our attention away, it does. And we are giving it permission to. Fasting isn't as much about what we're giving up, though, as it is about what we're choosing to receive. So think about food. We buy food. And then we have to prepare food. And then we have to take time to eat food. And then after we're done eating food, we usually have to clean up the mess that was made because we were preparing food, right? All of this takes time. We actually save a bunch of time when we don't eat. Imagine giving up media now for two weeks. How much time would we gain? 
for most of us, we'd probably gain several hours a day. I saw a guy on YouTube, guilty, okay. I saw a guy on YouTube, a Christian, who was talking about how part of his job is he's, he's an influencer. For those of you who are over a certain age, an influencer is someone who spends their time creating content, posting it online in order to get people to follow him, and they earn a living by doing that, okay? So they spend their life online. And this guy on his phone, he averaged six and a half hours a day. So it's part of his job, granted, but nonetheless, there's still a lot of time he gave to screen. So for one week, he instead challenged himself to spend the equal amount of time that he would average on his phone in the Bible. Six and a half hours a day in the Bible. And man, he said it was rich. It was amazing. It was challenging. Because I don't know how many of us are at the one hour mark, let alone six and a half hours of reading the Bible, right? So it's just amazing to understand that when we fast, we're not, it's not about what we're giving up. It's about what we're gaining. We're gaining time, time to spend with our Lord. And that's the focus. It's not what we're fasting from, but rather the time that we create for ourselves to experience Jesus. So from the story that I shared about my family giving up screens for just one evening, we can see the immediate impact it made for us. So what would happen now if we as a church voluntarily gave up all those kinds of media-related things for two weeks? Could we anticipate experiencing a greater degree of God's presence? Would His voice become more clear? It's not that we would suddenly, it's not that he would suddenly start interacting with us, but actually we'd probably notice the ways that he's been trying to interact with us because we're less distracted. So by now, friends, we know that fasting is is voluntarily abstaining from something. Food fasting is a great way to fast, but we can also fast from other things too, like media. So now we want to build on something that we learned a little closer to the beginning of the message. Earlier I said, Fasting is denying a physical hunger so that a better hunger, a hunger for God, can be discovered and fed. So this statement is important because it's going to help answer maybe the most important question that we could ask today. Why should we fast? For a long time, when I, when I was practicing fasting early in my life as a Christian... I misunderstood the purpose of fasting. I thought it was a a way to get what I wanted from God. When I fasted, it was like I was telling God, all right, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. And I thought I was leveraging my sacrifice to convince God to do the things that I wanted him to do. That's the wrong approach to fasting for sure. The real heart behind fasting is that by giving up something in this life that we are accustomed to having, we're signaling to God, but also to ourselves, that we long for his Holy Spirit to be in control. In other words, by fasting, we're telling God, there's nothing in the world that I want more than I want you. In Matthew 6, verse 6 to 18, Jesus taught about fasting and he said this, When you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. So Jesus is talking here about motives. If we fast to impress other people, the only reward that comes from that is that maybe a few people 
We trick them into thinking that we are really close to God and super spiritual when really, if our motives are wrong, we're not. Jesus continues and he says, but when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. To me, fasting seems like it's a bit of a test. Do we really desire intimacy with the Father? If we do, then our fasting will be motivated by that desire. And it won't matter to us that anyone else knows that we're fasting or not. People's approval and praise doesn't give us what we're seeking. Intimacy with God provides us with what we're seeking if our hearts are sincere. Greater friendship with God the Father is the reward of those who are truly seeking him through fasting. So let me ask, or I want you to ask yourself a question here. Don't answer out loud. This is just between you and God. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, how much control of your life do you want Jesus to have? Is it 1%? That's a good answer, Emily. But is it 1% control? Some people would never say that out loud, but in their hearts, maybe that's what's going on. They want to give Jesus just enough control to make sure that they get into heaven, but not so that he ruins all their fun here on earth. Do you want Jesus to have 5% control where you call the shots in your life, but when you really get into a pickle, then you can lean on God and he'll bail you out, right? That's, that's a good arrangement, right? Maybe 50% control where you and God, you take turns leading your life. And when you run out of energy, you say, okay, God, it's your turn. And then when you see something you want, you take back control and say, okay, it's my turn. That's what 50% control might look like. Or do you want Jesus to have 100% control where you are submitted to him fully, to his, to, to submitted fully to his good and perfect guidance for your life? You enjoy authentic, full-time friendship with him. And you are more concerned about pleasing him than you are about pleasing yourself. How much of our lives are we willing to give over to Jesus? The purpose behind fasting is to align ourselves, our desires, our thoughts, our entire life with more of Jesus. When we fast... We are letting God know that we don't want to become like everyone else around us, but instead we want to become more like him. In my time of study, getting ready for this series, I I listened to and read lots of other things about what other Christians were saying about fasting. Here's one thought that really got me. I heard someone say, we often unintentionally starve the spirit Because we're so used to being focused on physical things. Have you ever thought about that? That maybe the way we live life, it's it's an accident. But what happens is we starve out or block the spirit of God working in our lives. The way life works down here on earth doesn't always lead us to automatically draw close to God. In fact, it usually does quite the opposite. It slowly, bit by bit, inches us away from friendship with God. That's a problem. And the remedy to this problem can be addressed through fasting. 
by fasting, we choose to intentionally starve the physical things in our lives so that we give God's spirit an invitation to fill us more fully with himself. When we think about it that way, fasting is really feasting. Yes, we're denying physical hunger, but instead we're feasting on the spirit of God and the nourishment that he brings to our souls. As we use the time freed up in our lives by fasting, we can pray. We can open our lives up to more of what Jesus is offering us. As his people fast and pray, God has a rich history of responding to them. Fasting and repentance are often coupled together. Jonah was a prophet sent by God to the wicked city of Nineveh to tell the people to repent or God would destroy their city. After some delay, Jonah eventually went and delivered this message. How did the people of Nineveh respond? Well, in Jonah 3 verse 5, it says, The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. So these people were fasting and repenting. Showing God that they recognized their sin, they were sorry for their sin, and they were choosing to turn away from it. So how did God then respond to their fasting and repentance? Verse 10, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. That's amazing. Repentance and fasting, it gives us a direct line to God's heart where we can, we can earn something from him that he wanted to do. And he says, actually, no, I see your hearts. You're turning. I'm going to be gracious to you. Thank you for fearing me. Thank you for understanding that it is better to be with me than to just continue in your evil ways. Fasting and humility are, are linked together as well. In Daniel 6, King Darius approves a law that is wicked. The law states that for 30 days, people can only pray to him. If they disobey this law, they will be thrown into a den of lions. So King Darius' right-hand man, Daniel, was a devoted servant of the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, and he prayed to him daily, and he would never pray to King Darius. Daniel was caught praying to God, though, and was thrown into the lion's den. In Daniel 6.18, it says, Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Through fasting, King Darius humbled himself before God. He said, oh man, what have I done? God, I I need your help. I, I don't want my friend Daniel to be killed because he's in this den of lions. And God spared Daniel's life. And, the, and Daniel was not hurt by any of the lions at all. Fasting also is coupled with protection and favor. Queen Esther had a request to make of the king. But if she went into the king's presence uninvited... It was against the law and could cost her her life. Esther 4 verse 16 says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. So it's an absolute fast. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. After the fast, she came into the king's throne room and she was treated with kindness by the king. God protected Esther when her life was on the line because her and the people fasted and prayed. And probably my favorite point in this little section that I want to bring, bring up is that fasting provides spiritual breakthrough. 
A woman named Anna was a prophet during the time of Jesus' birth. And in Luke 2, verse 37, it says about Anna, She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. So Anna's life was built on a routine of prayer and fasting. She hungered for God. The next verse in Luke 2 describes how she then got to see God in the form of baby Jesus when he was brought to the temple to be dedicated. She praised God when this happened. Fasting led Anna to recognize God's Messiah that was given to the world when most other people at the time had no clue that God was now Emmanuel. He was God as a human. In Acts 13, verse 2 to 3, there's another instance of this. It says, one day these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more prayer and, or fasting and prayer, the men let, let, laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. The, what I find interesting about this passage is that it doesn't say that the men in this verse were asking God for anything specific. They weren't asking who amongst us should be the one to change the world by bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. No, it just said they were fasting and the Holy Spirit voluntarily spoke, directing them according to the will of God. And when he spoke, Saul, or who is we know as the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, they were appointed by the Holy Spirit to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. These are two of the most influential men in the New Testament in spreading the good news of Jesus Christ outside of Israel. In my own life, when I have fasted, I find it remarkable how God sees me giving up one thing in order to make room for more of him. And he is so generous in the way that he responds to me. He often breaks through in my life by putting godly thoughts in my mind And he gives me ideas and fresh energy or vision for my life or for ministry here at the church that I didn't have before. Why is that, I wonder? Well, by fasting, I'm choosing to hunger for God and not the things of this world. And God is so loving and good. So he answers that hunger that we have for him by giving us what we're hungering for more of himself. There's many more instances of fasting leading to spiritual breakthroughs in the Bible and in present life. We just don't have time to go all th- through all of them today. So these examples make it clear, though, that God responds to his people as we fast and pray. We show God that we want more of him, and he doesn't turn us down. He doesn't say, no, sorry, I'm not interested. He honors the desires of our hearts when the desires of our heart is to honor him. Again, that's what fasting is. It's our hearts crying out, hungering for greater closeness with Jesus. Friends, perhaps you need a spiritual breakthrough in your life. Perhaps you've been so consumed by your physical needs that your spiritual needs have been neglected. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. We're all in that boat at different times. Maybe you've known about your need for a spiritual breakthrough for a while. Maybe you don't know this about yourself, but if you were to fast and pray, God would gently open your eyes to even understand your spiritual needs more directly. 
Maybe you just want a renewed friendship with God. Maybe you want a deeper connection with him. A life that is more submitted to him where you hear his voice and respond. Fasting is a way of addressing our spiritual needs. I mentioned before that God has put it on my heart to invite all of us to participate in a two-week media fast. So here's a few details about that. This two-week media fast is going to start next Sunday on January 14th. So right after the closing song next week, boom. That's the beginning of our fast. And it's going to go until Sunday, January 28th. And again, when the service is over on the 28th, that's when our fast will be complete. Now, this is not about me saying this is what we're doing. Now, get get on board or get lost. Like, that's not it at all, okay? This is something I would strongly encourage everyone to participate in. Can you imagine what would happen to our church if we all gave up media for two weeks And just said, Jesus, we all want more of you. I believe that God, though, he wants to help you know what this is meant to look like for you personally. Maybe you're also curious about a food fast as well. Maybe you want to try fasting one meal this week. Maybe fast food for a couple days or more. Well, we can trust God to speak to us about these things. So we're going to pray and ask God what fasting is meant to look like for each of us this month. So, friends, I'd invite you to close your eyes, and I'm going I'm to pray and ask God a question. If you have a pen and paper, or if you want to use your phone, I'd encourage you to have that handy, because if God speaks to you, or, or encourages you in some way, or gives you some direction, you don't want to forget about those things, of course, right? So let's just pray, and we'll, we'll ask God for what this fast is meant to look like for each of us. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of fasting. Thank you that it's not a demand that you make of us, but rather it's something that you offer to us to draw close to you. You know that we're planning now for a two-week media fast from the 14th to the 28th. But Jesus, I believe that you know everyone's situation so perfectly that you can reveal to them the details of that media fast, what it's meant to look like. And you also speak to them if there's maybe food fasting or something else that they should consider. So Jesus, we're just going to listen right now And I ask that you would speak to each of us and let us know what you want to do or how you want us to fast. Jesus, your guidance is exactly what we need. Even in the things where we think we're serving you or we're we're doing something because we're convinced that this is a loving thing for you, and it probably is, we still need your guidance to know exactly what it's meant to look like. Over this next week, 
as we're preparing for this two-week media fast, I just pray that you'll continue to speak to your people. Keep confirming in them. Keep preparing them. Help them plan and make arrangements. Help them to, to maybe try a couple of things this week in preparation for a longer period of fasting starting on the 14th. Jesus, we trust you with these things and we, we love you. We just want to know you more. I pray that we would deny physical hunger so that our hunger for spiritual things would be enhanced and grow and develop. Our love for you is what we need, Jesus. Amen.